Larva, and Giantkin to the Monster Smash League, where Wolfman, Mothman, and the Headless Horseman can duke it out to see which mythological monstrosity stands tallest. I'm Batboy, and as always, I'm joined by the original beast mode, Typhon, Greek father of all monsters. Thanks, BB. I'm looking forward to another bone-ripping pageant of mayhem that is sure to keep even the most timid gremlins on the edge of their seats. Me too, my friend. It's an honor to be sitting next to the best in the game. Oh, please, BB. It's been years since my last match. I'm definitely not as spry as I used to be. Come now, I bet you have one more in you. I wish. Echidna says that if she ever sees me in the arena again, she'll murder me. I imagine in this case that isn't hyperbole. I've seen the plans, BB. A unique death for all 100 heads. Like what? Pet number one will be put through a sandwich meat slicer and fed to the lost souls of the River Styx. A strong start to be sure, but where does she go from there? I can't be too descriptive for the sake of the hatchlings at home, but let's just say you'd never look at a beach towel the same way again. Yikes. Well, we wouldn't want that. No. No, we wouldn't. Still. If you could have one last battle, who would you choose? Oh, easy. The Godzilla from the 1998 movie starring Matthew Broderick. That's incredibly specific. Why that Godzilla? So it can lose and feel the same amount of disappointment we all had in 1998. A timely reference for everyone. I'll never forgive them, BB. God freaking Zilla is not supposed to be a T-Rex with an underbite. Well, this is an incredibly niche topic for our listeners. They called it the Toragoji design, mixing the Japanese name for Tristar with Gojira. If you want to hear about this, I'd take those stupid reverse shark fins on its back and shove them down its throat. Incidentally, that's also the death for head number 33. Wait, to use the reverse shark fins from the back of the Toragoji Godzilla model and stuff them down number 33's throat? Yes. What part was confusing? Just... all of it? In any case, I'm definitely not in fighting shape anymore, so you're getting a pass this time, 1998. Yes, well, before we talk about the matchup today, we have a special message from the Monster Smash League Commissioner, Carmilla Karnstein. Thank you, Bat Boy and Typhon! I hope everyone is enjoying the Monster Smash League. I wanted to speak with all the little ghosts, beasts, and unclassified nightmares who dream of one day becoming competitors in the Aberration Station Arena, especially those who have been told it will never happen. Let me tell you a story. When I was a young vampirist, Living in the Austrian Empire, I was often stereotyped as just another low-level leech who would bow down to any brooding edge lord who decided to make a move on the local villages. It wasn't true, and more importantly, it wasn't fair. Luckily, I refused to listen to the naysayers. I made a vow to leave my own mark on the world of terror, whether the more mainstream monsters approved or not. Now, did I make mistakes? Sure. There was this girl named Lara that nearly ended in... Well... There was this general, and I killed his daughter, so... 
only way, I faked my destruction and moved on to bigger and better things. I terrorized hamlets all over Europe, made countless spawn, and even helped a young bloodsucker named Vlad become the greatest vampire in history. Eventually, I helped start the very first Monster Smash fights, back when it was just a yeti and an org wrestling in a backwoods cemetery in the bayous of Louisiana. So, I have only one thing to say to all the younglings. You can be anything you can dream of. Make a name for yourself, and then devour the haters. I look forward to seeing each and every one of you in the arena. Enjoy the show, everyone! That's so horrible. I'm so moved, BB. Carmilla has been ushering young unlives into the future of monsterdom for generations. My kids look up to her. Figuratively. Right, figuratively. Most of my kids are triple the size of her, or, or more. We're privileged to have Commissioner Karnstein overseeing the League and keeping it as exciting and hellish as possible with amazing and surprising matchups. Speaking of matchups... Yes, it's time to turn it over to our hag on the scene, Jenny Greenteeth. Jenny. Thanks, BB. I'm reporting from the Aberration Station Arena Field, where the terrain has been configured into a small fishing village on the banks of a slow-moving river. The crowd in limbo is antsy. Mostly because this fight is going to be like nothing we've seen before. And no wonder, because we've got a weird one today. It's Thailand's famous overexposed spirit, the Kraysu, looking to prove its mettle against the confusingly nicknamed Aquatic Tiger of Chile, El Cuero. I think I speak for all of the fans when I say, huh? Huh? Indeed, Jenny. I really don't know how to react to this one. No one does, Ty, but maybe we'll be able to clear up some of the uncertainty when we learn a bit more about these strange creatures. When it comes down to it, I don't care how weird the competitors are, as long as they put up a good fight. And fight they will, but let's see exactly how they'll do it right after this message from our sponsors. And now, an ad from Marrow Unlife. It took 13 minutes to reach the doors to the mall from the parking garage. Stupid shambling legs. Please let there still be some survivor meat left. Only to find out that the humans are barricaded in the mall on the other side of town. I'm gonna kill Terry. How hard is it to remember which one is the north side mall and which is the south side mall? One's in the north and one's in the south, Terry. Even worse, you could have used those 13 shambling minutes to switch your unlife insurance to Marrow. Marrow. 13 minutes could save you 13% or more on unlife insurance. War, love, and death. Though these words are overused in storytelling, there is a reason that we still sit captivated time and again when a tale begins with war, love, and death. The spoils of war are rarely without cost when it comes to the defeated. In an Angkorian Khmer legend, there was once a Khmer princess who was meant to marry a Siamese nobleman after her people were defeated. She did her duty to her people and prepared for the union, though she was keeping a secret. 
Her love lay not with a nobleman, but with a young man of low-born status. Unfortunately, fate came to collect one tragic day when the princess was caught in her covert tryst. In response, the Siamese nobleman sentenced his bride to death by fire. Before her execution, she arranged for a spell of protection to be cast upon her so that the fire would not harm her. The magic's effect, in a cruel twist, was not immediate. The blaze burned her body until the spell activated, leaving only her internal organs and head intact. From then on, she was cursed to live as the Kraysu, a flying horror forced to survive by feeding on the blood and excrement of livestock and carrion, or more horribly, devouring the placenta and fetus of a pregnant woman. By day, the Kraysu appeared as a normal maiden, having stolen the body of an innocent victim and planting her dangling viscera within the corpse, a perfect disguise. Sometimes, the poor cursed individual isn't even aware that they suffer from such a horrible fate, but by night, all pretense is lost as their head breaks from the body, dragging its organs with it, flying into the night sky to seek relief from its endless hunger. So why do we still endure stories of war, love, and death? The answer is the same reason we ask the question. There is comfort in the familiar. Predictability triggers the oldest instincts of survival. If we know it, it is therefore safe. Which is why the Kraysu is so unsettling. The woman who walks by your house every morning. The old lady with a Scottish terrier two doors down. The little girl buying ice cream from you. Do you truly know who they are? Or are they unfamiliar? So let me get this straight. She's a cursed princess that partially burned up, so now she has to eat blood and babies? Yes. Because she burned up. Right. She has to eat poop. Or blood. Or carrion. Or placentas. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sometimes folklore makes no damn sense. There are alternative origins if you want to hear about the rich lady who tied a length of black gauze around her head and neck to protect her from the sunshine which caused her to be cursed. You're making that up. Unfortunately, no. This is what we signed up for, Ty. This is only the second episode. I'm still not used to all this backstory. Well then, in order to learn more, let's send it over to our inside track from the outback, Yowie. G'day, fellas. I'm over the moon to be bringing you this breakdown of this creep-tastic Sheila. To help me out, I've set up an online panel of my best mates from around the globe. Here's Momo from Missouri. Hello. Vatano Giant from Africa. Hey. Vanara from India. Hi. And Tick Malang from the Philippines. Call me Tick. My fellow Sasquatches, we need to discuss this crazy beastie. First and foremost, I think we need to address the spirit factor. Sure. The Kraysu falls under a monster classification of spirit, meaning it's a special type of undead creature. In addition to being immune to poisons and diseases, they're also faster and more agile than most. Harder to hit, too. Yes, whether due to size or intangibility, spirits are notoriously hard to pin down. I'm glad you brought up size, Van, because the Kraysu is one of the smaller bugaboos we've had in the league. She's only the size of a human head, with some dangly bits. That's not necessarily a bad thing, Yowie. 
I know that none of us can relate since we're all huge and hairy. Mm, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to lose weight. But smaller creatures, especially ones that can fly, are more versatile in unexpected situations. Dodging attacks, confusing opponents, and generally being a nuisance on the battlefield are right up their alley. Too true, Tick. I definitely wasn't planning on discounting a potential tactical advantages due to being of slight frame. I agree, but to a point, Tick. Sometimes brute force is what will win the day, and the Kresu certainly has none of that. But it does have some interesting attacks, besides its massive infectious bite. Which can transform other biologically female humanoids into Kresus. She has a disgustingly long proboscis-like tongue that can pierce flesh and suck out the gooey insides of her victims. If we're being specific, it's for pregnant women. If we're being speculative, it could very well be used in a number of deadly ways. I mean, she isn't dumb. Oh, no, she isn't. And just because she's immune to disease doesn't mean she isn't a virulent carrier of them due to her (laughs) colorful diet. It became tradition to not hang clean laundry outside overnight in Thailand because they'd wake up to find blood and excrement smeared into their fineries after a Kraysu used them for napkins. She does have some notable weaknesses. You sure like to focus on the negative, Tano boy. Listen, Tick, someone has to point out the bad in addition to the good. A bloody fair point, Tano. Go ahead and fill us in. Well, it all uh, hinges on those entrails she has dangling from her neck. Perturbing and vulnerable. Correct. That magic protects her from fire, but it doesn't protect her otherwise. If she takes enough slicing damage to sever those organs from the head, she is a goner. Instant permadeath. Those innards on the outside. Naked guts. Outards? The organs, formerly known as innards? Whatever you want to call them. There are hinges in travel as well. Good on ya. It's true there are reports of Kraysu being scared of spikes because her intestines get easily snagged. That gives me a stomachache just thinking about it. So do you think the Kraysu is going to lose, Tano? Not necessarily. She just needs to be aware of her surroundings, pinpoint her enemy attacks that might cut her up, and most importantly, keep it moving. Astute observations, my furry friends. She'll be a terror on the field for sure. Thanks for having us, Yowie. I hope to see you all at the Harry Cryptids convention in November. Where's it being held this year? The Donkey Lady is hosting in San Antonio this year. I hear the keynote is Bigfoot. Sorry to cut this short, but we have a brawl to broadcast. But before we can watch this spirit scuffle, there's heaps for us to cover about her opponent, El Cuero. Right after this commercial break. Hooroo! Hey all you critters and horrors out there in limbo land. Peter Selke here, the host of Wait, Wait, Don't Kill Me. If you've never listened to our humble show, now's as good of time as any to start. We'll take all of the week's monstrous news and quiz our panelists about it in a game show format that matters even less than the points on whose spine is it anyway. We also feature celebrity guests like Dracula, Bloody Mary, and Medusa to tell us about some of the wacky things they've experienced in their centuries-long careers. So check us out on Rotted Guy, Ditunes, and any other podcasting platforms. And now, back to the show. In the Patagonia region of the southernmost tip of South America, tales have circulated for decades about the dangers of Lasar Lake in Argentina and the river that drains its water into the Pirahueco Lake in Chile. Nestled within the Andes mountain range, this waterway has been utilized by the locals to ferry travelers through the vast stretches of wilderness between the two locales. However, Not all is as it seems in the Huahum River. 
Like most rivers, much can be found floating on the surface, such as broken tree branches, dislodged debris, and old fishing nets from the nearby village of San Martín de los Andes. If one were to spot a splayed cowhide, however, distance should be kept at all cost. El Cuero is not to be trifled with. One story recounts a young mother washing her laundry on the banks of the Huahum River one morning. It was a clear day and the weather was fair, so she had brought her infant daughter to enjoy the relaxing sound of the moving water. Unwary, while completing her task, she failed to notice a large floating piece of leather slowly drift towards the shore. Suddenly, with the speed of a lunging crocodile, the woman watched in terror as the sheet of skin enveloped her sleeping baby and dragged it back into the waves. Try as she might, the panicked mother was unable to swim through the rushing river to catch the creature. In the clear glacial waters, she could just make out two snail-like eye stalks peering back at her as it wrapped itself tightly around its prize like a horrifying swaddling blanket. This is El Cuero, an amphibious lake monster unlike any other, not satisfied to devour prey, but instead to suck the blood and organs from within it for sustenance. Evidence of its presence can be found on the shore, in dried-up animal and human remains, devoid of all fluids. So beware of floating objects. El Cuero is hunting. Nicknamed the Aquatic Tiger because of its voracious predatory nature, El Cuero measures around 5 feet across and clocks in at 65 pounds of pure urban legend strangeness. You thought lake monsters had to basically be serpents or dinosaurs? Not in South America. Bam! Big camouflage mutated manta ray! El Cuero is often confused with several other monsters in the region, but we do know a few things about this specific organism. First of all, the thing is super flexible. Imagine punching a leather apron that's hanging on a hook. Hard to get any substance behind a hit like that, right, Ty? You better believe it. Why brace for an impact when you can just wrap yourself around it? Speaking of which, El Cuero's rubbery body allows it to constrict anything it can capture like an anaconda that's been flattened by a steamroller. Coincidentally, that's death for head number 89. Echidna planned your head to be constricted by... An anaconda that's been flattened by a steamroller. <laughs> what didn't you understand? Just... All of it. Anyway, like most beast-adjacent abominations, El Cuero comes equipped with enhanced senses, notably vision and scent. Those eye stalks give it 360-degree vision, both helping it spot tasty swimmers and avoid sneak attacks from anything that might want it dead. BB, am I reading this right? What is it? El Cuero also has a proboscis mouth? Just like the Cratio? Well, there are examples in nature of aquatic animals like sturgeons and goblin sharks that have extendable jaws. So it's like a xenomorph from Alien? Similar, to be sure. This matchup keeps getting crazier, and I'm into it. It needs an extendable mouth in the center of its body so that it can puncture its squeezed victim and suck out its blood and internal organs. The best parts. Even more unusual, there are reports that El Cuero has been capable of disarming opponents 
and using their own hunting knives against them. Animated cowhide crocodile Dundee! That being said, this mutant is far from invulnerable. With more about how to defeat El Cuero, let's send it down to Jenny Greenteeth, standing by with a special guest. Thanks, boys. Joining me now is the desiccated remains of Father Juan Ignacio Molina, author of the excitingly named scientific book, Essay on the Natural History of Chile. Was that sarcasm? Which part? About the title of my book. Is it not exciting enough for you? Listen, I'm not here to judge whether or not a book that starts with the word essay is going to fly off the shelf. It's probably not. I'm here to ask you about El Cuero before you crumble into dust. Wait, what? Necromancy isn't forever, Father. Oh, my. So... In your book, you documented Chilean wildlife, but you also talk about some of the unusual fauna in the region. What was your take on El Cuero? When I saw it, I described it as an extended bovine hide. I assumed it was some sort of giant stingray. Wait, does El Cuero have a stinger? Unfortunately, no. It has a tail much like a stingray, but it lacks the poisonous bark. <sighs> disappointing. So let's talk about weaknesses. What should El Cuero be trying to avoid? From what we saw, it seems that due to its flat body, El Cuero has precious little blood of its own, which is why it needs to feed on the blood and organs of other animals. I see. To replenish its own supply. Attacks that drain it of fluids could be, uh, quite deadly. So how did you find out about the whole legend in the first place? The locals spoke about two dangerous predators that kept them from ever swimming in the lake near their village. Uh, one was described as a, uh, an enormous fish or a dragon with, with a fox head. Uh, the other mm, was El Cuero. <gasps> Fox dragons and cowhide rays. Pardon? A title that really hooks the reader? Missed opportunity, huh, Father? I didn't have a good publicist. Obviously. Now, Father Juan, what do you think will be the key to victory for El Cuero? Against the disturbing severed head and organs? The Cresu, yes. I, I mean, if, if the Kraus is afraid of getting caught on sharp objects... Yes. Uh, El Cuero's fringe claws will probably be a huge factor in the outcome. It just needs to avoid getting stabbed by that blood-sucking tongue of ours. Thank you, Father Juan Ignacio Molina, for joining us today. We'll have our death priest sever your connection to this mortal plane immediately. Oh, my. Bibi and Ty, I think we've learned everything we need to know to see these two grotesque wonders of local legend wage odd warfare on the field of battle. Thanks, Jenny. Folks of lore, we'll take one last commercial break, and then we'll let these two fighters loose and see what happens. Listening to the Monster Smash League, right? I hope you're using Rotted Guy. Whoa! Put the pitchforks and torches away, die-tunes lovers. Hear me out before you start forming mobs to hunt me down like I strangled a blind priest or something. Rotted Guy is the premium podcast and music platform that gives you access to all your favorite shows and songs absolutely free. I've spent the last two days hiding out in this windmill, and I'll tell you that Rotted Guy has been a lifesaver. I've been listening to classics by Billy Noel, Melting John, and Clawsby Kills, Rash and Dung, as well as new hits by Ariana Zombie, Baylor Swift, and Mandrake. Seriously, the amount of content is like lightning in your neck bolts. 
Want more podcasts? Rotted Guy is the leading streaming service in all of Limbo. My favorite vanquishing, how did this get slayed, and wait, wait, don't kill me, along with thousands of other unique shows tailored to every little creepy crawler's personal taste. Oh, I hear the villagers coming back. Make sure to download Rotted Guy today. I'm Adam Frankenstein, and I approve of this message. Gotta go. Back to the Monster Smash League. I'm Bat Boy, and with me as always is Typhon, Greek father of all monsters. Grab your snot dogs and bugweisers for this one, Smash fans. You won't want to miss a moment of this bloodshed. It's been a fascinating journey to get here, full of oddities and an unfortunate amount of interior anatomy. But now it's time to put it all together. We're going to find out which morphological nightmare takes the crown in this battle of bizarre beasts. With that said, let's send it down to the field. Monster Smash! Someone is coming out of that hut! Interesting. It appears to be a normal woman. Is she like a fan or so? Oh my Hades! It's impossible to be prepared for that! And just like that, the crazy was on the field. She looks like she's ready for a fight, wouldn't you say, Ty? I can never unsee what I have seen. <laughs> yes, I agree. And approaching the shore, I think you'll find it correct to say that that looks exactly like a tanned hide floating nonchalantly. Where? El Cuero rears up. It's even more incredible than I imagined. I was right at the beginning of this whole thing. There's no way to anticipate anything about this fight. And we're off. The crazy takes to the sky and makes a beeline for the cowhide. Wow! She's way faster than I thought a head with organs weighing it down would be. It seems that El Cuero is waiting to see what happens. Something we should have mentioned, BB, is that El Cuero has the mental capacity of most animals, so it probably doesn't know what is happening. Great point, Ty. This whole battle will test instincts versus strategy. Wait, why'd she stop? She was about to swoop in for a bite! Look there. El Cuero shifted and unknowingly just flashed its fringe claws. The Kraysiu is scared! Father Juan called it! It would be very unfortunate if the Kraysiu was caught and couldn't get away. She's circling like a vulture! Ha! Look at El Cuero! It really has no idea what's going on! Clearly, it doesn't feel threatened yet. The Kraysiu has to take a risk or else this fight won't ever begin! El Cuero just relaxed in the water. Its claws are underwater again! There we go! The Kraysiu's tongue extended while diving and stabbed right into the back of the aquatic tiger. Like a wounded animal, El Cuero is violently flailing to detach the parasite. Whoa! Whoa. That was too close for comfort! The skin flap rolled over and instantly tried to engulf the flying head! Look there! Even though El Cuero missed, the Kraysiu is paying for getting too close. Looks like a piece of her left lung is stuck on a claw. She's trying to pull free, which has to be hurting her with every attempt. El Cuero is still like a wounded animal. It just wants the intruder to leave, but can't shake it free. 
To its benefit, however, it seems to be dragging the Kraysu underwater repeatedly. How might this serve the lake monster, Ty? Disorientation, BB. The Kraysu is being overwhelmed by so much negative stimulus that it's going to have a difficult time planning its next move. Incredible! Now we're talking! Straight through that fishing dock! Folks, El Cuero utilized its basic concept of tool usage and treated the Kraysu like a club. And those planks needed a hammering! How will... wait... Is she crazy? Flying straight towards... Oh! What the... You hate to see it, folks. It's I, BB! She bit it right off! What a parting gift from El Cuero. With a quick spin, the Kraysu gets raked across the face with that fringe. That's gonna leave a mark. Speaking of marks, that severed eye stalk looks infected. She's got a filthy mouth, BB. Oh, Kraysu has torn her organs free of the claws and immediately heads inland. Looks like animal instincts have given way to hunger. Losing blood like that means it needs to feed to survive. El Cuero ain't gonna win any races on land. It's like watching a cleaning sponge try to crawl. She's wheeling around for another pass at it. She's kinda low. Which apparently was intentional. The Kraysu just used her own guts to kick up a dust cloud, obscuring her from view. 360 degree vision won't help much in these conditions. The mutant manta just stumbled out of the dust and through the wall of a tool shack. Very slapstick, BB. All we need is yakety sax playing in the background. The Kraysu has emerged out of the dust cloud and is high above the village. What's all that noise in the tool shack? Antichrist! It's got a machete! A common tool that you'd find in a village near thick vegetation. The Aberration Station Arena engineers have outdone themselves. The Kraysu seems to be plotting its next move. If she loses those intestines, it's game over. Here it goes. It's even faster! El Cuero swings! Strike one! She's too small! The Kraysu plows straight through a section of the cowhide and crashes through the other side of the shed. El Cuero has a gaping hole in its body. El Cuero is down! Is this over? Certainly looks that way. The Kraysu is flying back around and she's extending her tongue! Look, almost in response, El Cuero's mouth is weakly extending upwards as well. If they kiss, I'm out. Lightning fast! How in the world did it have the energy to do that? Like a crocodile lunging out of water, El Cuero just leapt off the ground and has wrapped the Kraysu up in its many folds. The Kraysu is fighting, though. Look at her struggle against the thick leathery hide. And they're back in the river. This is surprisingly horrific to watch. They've sunk below the surface. I, I can't see what's happening. Lots of bubbles, though. El Cuero emerges! 
Is she dead? She can't drown, right? No, but look at its mouth, tie. Those bits around the edges look like viscera to me. And without her outards, she can't survive. While the Crecy was fast and more agile than El Cuero, it was not nearly as strong as something that can literally constrict a person to death. Plus, El Cuero just happened to have all the traits necessary to put the Kraysu in great danger, such as its claws and its ability to use weapons. And of course, El Cuero specifically eats the internal organs of its victims. The Kraysus were on display like they had a sign saying, Eat me! Exactly. Wait, what about the whole thing about being weak to losing fluids? Shouldn't the Kraysu have had the advantage there? What about the disease? I'll answer that question for you, Ty. While there certainly was a threat of El Cuero getting weakened from blood loss, there are no reports that the Kraysu had the ability to drain all of the fluids from a creature the size of El Cuero in such a short period of time. And getting an infection is troublesome to be sure, but few non-magical diseases are going to kick in fast enough to make any difference in a brawl like this one. She'd have been better off biting off both eyes to blind it and then waiting until it was tuckered out from flailing to stick him with a tongue and eat his juices. Thanks, Jenny and Yowie. Strangely enough, that's Echidna's plan for this hit. To bite off both of its eyes to blind you, wait until you tucker yourself out from flailing, and then stick it with her tongue to eat your juices? What? No, infection. She was going to give it a deadly infection. Why would she come up with something so incredibly elaborate and situation-specific? Because... (sighs) Never mind. Kinda weird, BB, but I guess that's been today's whole show. Yes. Well, congratulations to El Cuero. Join us next time for more kaiju clobbering action here at the Monster Smash League. For Yowie, Jenny Greenteeth, and Typhon, Greek father of all monsters, I'm Batboy saying, Only you can prevent wild mob fires. Obey all sacrifice restrictions. Good night! <laughs>